Welcome to Musicians Versus the World, the podcast where we explore aspects of music and musician life that may not have been covered in music school. I am your host, Christine Smith. In this episode of Musicians Versus the World, we're talking with Adam Lucas and James Everingham, the incredibly creative composers behind the music to BBC's Frozen Planet 2. We're going to do a deep dive into the inspiration and composition techniques they used when creating their beautiful score. And we'll also chat about their experience collaborating with Norwegian singer, songwriter, and record producer Aurora in this project. James Everingham and Adam Lucas are innovative composers with Bleeding Fingers Music, a composers collaborative co-founded by Hans Zimmer and Russell Emanuel. Known for its collaborative environment that yields high-end and innovative musical palettes, Equipped with custom technology and unique instruments and synthesizers, James offers a passionate approach to scoring, and his original music, including his debut album Leviathan, has accumulated over 10 million streams across major streaming platforms. As an orchestrator, recording engineer, and producer, Adam has collaborated on projects with some of the world's most revered musicians, actors, and directors, such as Joshua Bell, Misha Maisky, and John Malkovich. And they were kind enough to join us today to talk about this innovative musical palette. So James and Adam, thank you so much for being here and welcome to Musicians Versus the World. Thank you for having us. Hey, Christine. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm excited to talk with both of you. Frozen Planet 2 is absolutely amazing. Like we love, I've been watching with my family and just everything, the cinematography, the editing, and then the music all come together. It's just, it's an incredible, incredible program. Like congratulations on such a wonderful project. Thank you. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I really did. So what was your favorite scene to work on? It's such a like a wide range of animals and landscapes and things. What was the most fun? It's it's hard to pick one. Um, but my favorite scene is a, a scene where two two birds are puking at each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was incredibly um, difficult to to score. The the birds are snow white, and um, they get into a fight. It's um, they fall off a cliff. A la, you know, it's almost Mission Impossible. Um, it's it's an action packed scene. And 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 what these snow white birds do to fight each other is is vo- vomiting some orange liquid. And um, I tried to score it like an um, like a really cool action movie using drum set and distorted uh, solo violin. Um, that was a hilarious scene to to watch and 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 work on. Uh, probably um, one of my favorite one on the the music I wrote for that. You um, the, the cue is called projectile vomit on the album. Um, <laughs> you can listen it and, and guess. Guess the moment when when it when when the puking happens, and <laughs> I think the music uh, makes a quite distinct sound there. So maybe you, maybe you can figure that out. Um, that was a really cool one. For me. <laughs> yeah. How about you, James? What was your favorite? Uh, well, a bit tamer for me. It was the it was the baby <laughs> harp seals. Um, yeah, it, uh, it was actually one of the first ones that we worked on. One of the first sequences that we got, and I, all of us were just struck by how, like, f- firstly how amazing the the footage was, but also the storytelling and the narration, um, and you know the the impact of the, of this baby seal, you know, from 
growing up through the years and you know learning how to swim and then and then eventually spoiler alert being left alone on the ice by its mother to fend for itself in a very hostile um ocean environment uh so yeah you know getting to getting to write for that sequence and and carry the arc of of that animal and the emotional impact of of the mother leaving it after bringing it up was that was a great experience and I think it for all of us it put a lump in our throat even on the sort of hundredth watch yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a beautiful, touching, touching scene. And that's why I wanted to ask you that right off the bat. I'm sorry. I know I put you on the spot. We went from like zero to 100, Adam, on that question. No, but... I'm, I'm all for that, really. <laughs> but, yeah, but what I absolutely love and the thing that gets me about this program is the storytelling. The storytelling is just mm. fantastic. And you get this emotional connection with those animals and with this baby seal. And I think Aurora was in that scene. Did you have her singing over that? I thought I maybe recognized her voice in that in that cue. Yeah. So there was some some actually um, some of the Aurora in that scene was recorded for a different scene, and then I sort of brought it in and found harmonies that worked and used that to sort of inspire new ideas. And then later oh. she went back and recorded over it again. So there was that one was a really great experience working with her because. You know, we had all these different kind kinds of approaches of how we would approach sort of her input. Oh, um, well, yeah. Well, like Aurora is an incredible singer, an amazing musician, and she's, you know, she's very yeah. innovative herself. Yeah. So how did you get in touch with her? Was that like your idea? Like, hey, let's call up Aurora? Or was she already brought on by somebody else? That was our producer. The score producer is Russell Emanuel and okay. our, our, our boss here at, at Bleeding Fingers Music. And he, he brought her in. Oh, okay. Um, and he he couldn't have made a better call. I think yeah, it, it was a perfect match. Um, first, uh, musically, we thought it were quite quite aligned, and then when we actually met her as a person, we just had I think the the most fun I've had in in years recording mm. with musician. Yeah, it, it was it was a really yeah. really fun experience. Maybe we can like tell some anecdotes later or. Oh no! You can tell them right now. Out. Go ahead, tell them right um, now if you want to. Yeah, I would love to hear them. <laughs> You know, I, I like to tell one. She she actually came late to the session. Well, yeah, she's probably really busy. So she is, she's probably busy, but right. she's also right. Um, she's she's busy being very kind because what she did is um, so she was late, and at remote control we we have like some beds of flowers there. So because she was late, she ripped out some flowers <laughs> and brought them in and said, "Sorry, I was late." Um, you know, the, the flower picking made her even more late, which to me is the fun part. Um, but I think from the from the very first moment, from this moment on, we, we knew we we're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, what we did with her is first we would, before she would even sing on a scene, we would sit with her and watch the scene together. And her reactions were just so um, genuine. She She would cry watching the scenes and then some scenes you know she would crank up and in in Lothar and um I think that really set the tone when she was going in and 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 singing the takes 
she would bring all that emotion to mm. the recording booth mm -hmm. and and that gave it the extra goosebump factor yeah well, it was what was good about that session as well is it usually you know you got the producers the composers in the control room and you're separated by multiple layers of glass and then maybe in the distance you could just about see a vocalist sort of behind a music stand and a array of microphones but we we actually went in the live room with her mm -hmm. and we had some synths in there and and so yeah as adam said after we watched the scene together we would go through together and then i guess you know of course she's doing the singing but we were all sort of working together to sort of I suppose communicate what kind of performance we wanted to capture and you know she kept going and going and going until she really felt that she had captured exactly the emotion that she wanted to get from the scene yeah. you know she's watching it as she's singing and so to sort of be in there with the in the room with her as she was singing it just felt like we were i guess privileged to experience some kind of magical yeah. situation it, it was truly collaborative yeah of you know Sometimes it feels like you you hire a person and 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 then they do they do their job and and, and that's fine as well. But with, with her, I, we really felt we were even though she was singing obviously, but we we did it all together, and it was a really nice feeling. Yeah, hmm. we did do some shouting together as well. We <laughs> yeah. all gathered. There was one section where we all gathered behind the microphone and sort of did this chanting <laughs> to add some sort of rhythm to a scene. That was great. <laughs> Which scene was that? I want to go back and watch that one. <laughs> that was the end of the Arctic Ocean episode where it, it ends with a huge, huge crescendo. Actually, it's Frozen South, isn't it? Um, it has been renamed to Frozen South, yeah. And then um, it's just, I, I think, 11 or 12 bars of ha, 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 in, in a constant buildup. And um, we just screamed our um, at the top of our lungs. Um, to, to end this episode properly, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's incredible. So you had, you had like the scenes pretty much scored and everything and she would come in. Um, was there ever a moment where she did something that made you want to change the score underneath just a little bit or tweak something here and there like after she was done recording? 100%, yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of stuff that she did um, kind of as I alluded to earlier where she would record for something else and that would work great. But then we'd also be listening to that sort of as a standalone vocal stem and thinking, whoa, like you could do all sorts of other yeah. stuff with that and manipulate that in a different way. And, you know, there were all these moments where we'd get, you know, we'd be scoring a scene and we'd get to a point in the sequence and like, what, what does it need now? And then you pull in some Aurora from something else and then it completely unlocks where it needs to go musically. Oh, isn't that incredible? It's such a wonderful thing about like, collaboration and especially someone like Aurora that is yeah. very imaginative and innovative and she just feels things so deeply and it comes through her music and that just must have been a blast to work with well her. we were able to work with her in person but also remotely as well so when we were sending oh, really? stuff over to her and we knew that whenever we would get it back it would be magic yeah, yeah. And she she would she would be on tour we, we never knew where she was you know she was like <laughs> touring around and um, a lot of stuff was recorded um it, in a in a bus with with her producer really um who who recorded her yeah so this um frozen planet i think the whole endeavor i think we 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 did music for for a span of almost two years i would say from writing the first piece of music which you know there was already an involvement with aurora and then we went on to scoring we were scoring early picture and then until the very last minute, I think it was a span of over two years. So Aurora would be all over the place, you know, sometimes wow. on a different continent. And 
yeah. Yeah. It, adventure. Wow. Pure adventure. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea she was involved for such a long time. And that's, that's pretty rare to have a singer involved for so many months, just, you know, just to have her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, not constantly. There would be months of, of breaks and then we, we would send a batch to her, but, um, yeah, we would never know where we actually sent this stuff to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then when she would record in the bus, was that difficult to, like, I just think of like the ambient sound and, you know, the reverberation. Was that difficult to kind of process and get that into the score with all of the different sounds of the recordings? Well, sometimes it's good to get the really close-up stuff. Mm. Um, you know, that Aurora, if it, I think, you know, lent the whole thing, the, the intimacy and, and mm -hmm. the human voice. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it if anything, it made it really special to be really dry vocals. And then obviously we, we would apply our effects and then well, I got to give a shout out as well to, to Magnus Skilstad. Yeah, uh, I think I pronounced it. Probably pronounced it wrong. Sorry, Magnus. But <laughs> you um, tried. That's all that matters. Yeah, uh, <laughs> her producer and uh, part of her band at the time, uh, and he was with her helping with the recordings, and and he did just a great job capturing her and producing her, you know, in person. And he knows her voice so well, and he's just a great guy as well. So great for him to be part of the recording team as well. Oh yeah. So let's not underplay the imagination and talent that you two both put into this. And Aurora is wonderful, of course, like we just love her. But let's talk about, now let's talk about your part of it. So let's talk about some of those amazing themes that you came up for this. Like you have a different theme in one episode, and then there will be like five different themes with five different capturing different emotions. Um, is that is that something you work together on? Or did you say, okay, you take this scene, you take this theme? And how did the collaboration work with all of this? The themes, um, I would say, were the most collaborative yeah. part of the show, I think, you know, especially in the beginning um, and, and and with Hans as well, there would be this triangle of, of sending stuff around and, and getting opinions and, and really shaping, finding a sound, shaping a sound. Mm -hmm. And um, we we often say, first you establish the themes and, and the score, you take elements from the theme. It's sort of a the theme should be giving and should provide you with material that you can reuse in the score that that helps with the with cohesion cohesion yeah. and um it took some time to to figure out the the character you know the the frozen planet main theme and then we we wanted to write a, a piece of music that resembles climate change mm -hmm. and then we, we had what we call the wonder theme yeah th those were the earliest pieces of music that, that we wrote Mm. And let me let me just say it was it was not version ones, you know. That's, it's a it's, it's a, a process. It's a process. Yeah. It's a lot of ping pong with lots of people involved. 
We right. would have internal discussions before we, we, we send stuff to the BBC and, 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 and they would have input. They would get back to us with, with more ideas. Mm. Yeah, but to me, that's the most fun part of a project. Mm. As, as a painter puts the colors, we, those were the things that we were trying to figure out. What's our sound palette? And that process as well of working with everyone at the BBC and with Hans and with Russell at Bleeding Fingers is all about trying to distill those early musical ideas like right down to what is the core of Frozen Planet musically yeah. so then we can take from that and use it in the rest of the score with with confidence. Right, yeah. right. Well, like you said, you have, like, for example, this climate change theme. So what were the, some of the discussions around that? Like, were you wanting to make it ominous? Were you wanting to make it, give it a sense of, oh, we can change this? What were some of the conversations around that theme specifically? Like, that's a very heavy, heavy concept to represent music. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that this, this, the special aspect of, of this piece of music, it's, it's not really a theme. So whereas the wonder theme and the main theme, you know, it's, it's a melody you can sort of hum along. Mm -hmm. And we, it, it, it took some time to figure out what would be a good contrast to the beauty, right? Mm -hmm. So the climate change theme is, is actually just, a, it's a chord progression mm. that, that obviously when you repeat it, gets familiar and it, 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 it can become a theme, but it's not like, it doesn't have a distinct melody. It's it's something that gradually changes be between these chords and builds and builds and builds until at the very end of it, it, it all sort of collapses. And that's obviously, we were just trying to musically explain what's going on in, in the in the climate crisis. It's, it's, it's moving slowly, but it very intensely. And um, I think on the album it's it's called Crisis. That's one of the, the heavier climate change themes as well, because, uh, you know, obviously the main one that we used in moments like, uh, for example, the Greenland ice sheet collapse. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, there's always this undertone in the show and there were moments where it called for something something heavy like, like, like that one you described, but also moments where we felt it was important to not be overbearing and to not sort of come down like really heavily with this sort of sense of drama and like anger or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and moments where we wanted to just not tell the viewer to feel sad or, or or whatever, but just to sort of lead them in that direction and maybe pull at the heartstrings a little bit. And also what David Attenborough does so well is to, you know, to set up these habitats and these animals and make you fall in love with them. Uh, so that when at the end, you know, we're talking about climate change and the impacts that that's having on those creatures, um, that it kind of comes home, you know, even more. So you introduced this chord progression somewhat early on so people could subconsciously recognize it other times without really kind of realizing that they're recognizing it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's very, very clever. Thank you. Did you get to go to any of the places? You, they're pretty far out. 
Unfortunately, not. That would have been amazing if you had been able to go. <laughs> when we really kicked off the project, we were, we were mid-COVID still, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So we were sort of um, trapped here in LA. Yeah. But in a way, that's, that turns out to be a blessing in disguise because, you know, usually with something like a scripted drama, for example, you know, you get a script and maybe there's a set that you can visit or you can go chat to the actors and you can sort of be involved from an early stage. Mm -hmm. And that's great for getting started with ideas and building a palette before, you know, it's it's ready. But But with something like Frozen Planet, we get the footage and we watch it here in the studio and that's the first time seeing it and seeing you know what they captured i mean they went out there with their cameras and i'm sure they have a vague idea of what they're going to get but then it's like let's hit record and 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 just witness nature right. there's no script that's not planned it's just yeah. how it happened and so we're trying to channel that as well when we're watching it that first time that we're watching it what's our gut reaction to the footage and to the events that are unfolding like in real life, it's, you know, it's not, it's not made up. <laughs> That's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Now, did you have a lot of freedom with your scoring or did you have someone telling you specifically, I want this? Yeah, this is... I, I would say we had, we had lots of freedom. Oh, okay. Once the, once everyone agreed on the sound palette, it, you know, that's, that's the sound. And then with, within that frame, you, you, you move. And yeah, I, I think the, the, the BBC, you know, they're, I think a huge privilege from a composer's perspective working on these shows is that sometimes there's just a minute of of footage and you would only sometimes get in, interrupted if 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 I dare say by by Sir David's voice <laughs> and but sometimes there would be 30 seconds for you to just write um you know we we do a lot of stuff here at at, at bleeding fingers and and it's to different degrees there are challenges doing reality tv there's challenges doing scripted and um but one of the privilege privileges i would say in working on the natural history stuff is you get these moments and um you get to really write and and, and do your thing and and they were so appreciative of of what we've done mm -hmm. as we are of what they pulled off as well exactly yeah. Right. So when you get that like 30 seconds of footage and it's just beautiful and yeah. you're asked to go write something beautiful to match it, what do you do? Do you just get excited and think of a million different ideas or like improvise? What's... Well, first you freeze oh. and then you, <laughs> um, you, you look at the blank sheet and then there's a lot of, um, how am I going to pull this off <laughs> until um, you calm down and just rely on your craft and, mm -hmm. and try stuff. Yeah. And we're never alone. Um, you know, I think James, our rooms here at Bleeding Fingers are next to each other. And we must have, although they're next to each other, we must have traveled kilometers. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I would always get his feedback and, and, and I would give him feedback. And then there's Hans feedback. And then there's Russell, the score producer who has the bird's eye view and listens to every cue. Um, so there's no... But that's the to me that's my favorite part of of this whole job if you if you could even call it that is is that moment where you get you know an area where you got to write some music and then you find that theme that just fits the mood perfectly mm -hmm. or that you know perhaps it's a new arrangement of something that you know has already been written or, or just you you unlock the door into into 
just lifting the scene up with music. Sometimes it doesn't need music, but but when it does and you, you find what works, it's just yeah. such a great moment. Well, yeah. Doing film scoring is there's always the deadline and the deadline is always lurking. You know, there's, you, you, you look um, at the end of the day, you sort of have to get it done. And that makes you move things forward and just go with your idea. Even if you say it might not be, let's let's see if I can pull it off. And then you just work on it and 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 change as you go. And um, on a good day, uh, you go home with a good feeling. Right, right, yeah. And you enjoy what you've done, so that deadline can help you from just doing constant rewrites and never being finished. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah, having, having these deadlines cured my writer's block. <laughs> there's, there's just no time to not have ideas no. yeah yeah now did you work on the series as one big project i mean because there i believe there's six parts right did you work on one episode at a time or was it kind of an overarching to do all the scoring for the whole thing at one time it started with one episode okay. and then the deeper in we got the more chaotic and overlapped it became yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was all, you know, yeah, it all happened at once, pretty much, I would say. Underneath all of that, you have those climate change sort of chord progressions and kind of underlying throughout right. the entire series that come. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. pretty neat. Yeah. Exactly. So, we try to treat it like, I mean, a six hour movie, essentially. Yeah. At this point in into the project, again, from the composer's perspective, you have written so much music and you, you really... I got so used to this Frozen Planet sound. I, I when it ended, we I think we could have gone on for another six hours. Mm. Um, you really get into it, um, and and that helps in the crunch crunch phase. Mm -hmm. The better you prepare before the project, the the more of an, a good time you'll have um, at the end of it. Yeah. So now, now that's a good question. How do you prepare for a project like this before you even get into it? Um. You know, before we wrote a note of music, there were conversations. We all sat around a table and discussed, you know, what is the sound of Frozen Planet? What are we going to do, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to reflect ice and to reflect climate change and to tell the stories of the animals? There's all these different right. angles. And so sometimes it's working on the themes before we get the show. Sometimes it's just writing music for the sake of writing music to sort of try and capture some idea. Maybe it's just a one minute track, maybe it's a 10 minute sketchbook, but just trying to get some ideas down, um, you know, before, before we get it. And then when we get it, we can lay it in and see what works where and, you know, how does it feel? And did we hit the mark or maybe we completely missed it all together? <laughs> right. well, Frozen Planet, we, um, we actually collaborated with Spitfire Audio um, oh. and, and created a library a, a music library just for for the use of Frozen Planet. And, really? Uh, it's called uh, Frozen... Uh, it's not called Frozen Strings. It's called Fractured Strings. Apologies. Uh -huh. And um, the idea was we were looking at how ice would would behave. And, you know, it, ice fractures. The snowflakes have these little branches and and so we were sort of getting in, inspired by that what, what what could that mean but in music uh -huh. and so that's a, a composer toolkit basically we designed for frozen planet uh, called the fractured strings but and um it's it's sort of hard to describe with with words you would 
if you're familiar with the with the Frozen Planet 2 soundtrack, then y you hear that a lot. It's it's literally the first the first musical thing you hear when you hit play on the soundtrack is are, is this fractured strings um, thing. That was also so helpful because we would always, if 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 you're in a pinch, you can always rely on that. You can always go home to the, you know, to the base and and start with the. What can I do with this tool? And um, that was a really fantastic thing to have while scoring this 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 thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you created this tool for use in this project, and then Spitfire collaborated with you to offer it Released to other. It. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Did you go into this project planning on doing that? You know, Bleeding Fingers has a long-standing relationship with Spitfire Audio, and we worked together on on Blue Planet at, and a number of other shows. So um, it was already, you know, we already had that relationship established. And early on, we were thinking about how, you know, it's, we always like to have a toolkit of sounds prepared before we jump into the project. Um, and And for this, you know, we wanted to get London's best string players together and, and get in a room uh, and just, you know, th think about what what does ice sound like in music? Um, you know, the, how, how it blooms and, and sort of spreads underneath a frozen lake. Um, you know, how, how a snowflake kind of spreads out with this amazing symmetry. Um, you know, how, how we could reflect that um, in a string arrangement. And I think we, I think we got pretty close. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, if you... I mean that 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 was just our idea, you know. Different people might might do it in in different ways, but we were very very happy how it turned out. Yeah, and and we had that tool from the very beginning. This this was like a first idea, and then you know it, it took some time to to record and and obviously edit everything. But when the first episode came in, we had that tool, and we were like ready to work with that. So that. Right, it like that saves, was super helpful. Yeah, it saves you time because you already have that, and you can just be creative and and use it. Exactly. Yeah. So you said it. You edited it. Does it have some processing with it, or is it just the style of playing that those string players that kind of encaptured that ice sound? What did you do with it's, it? It's it's really we wanted to capture the performance of the players. Gotcha. So it's not um, it's not sort of manipulated and, and processed as a sort of sound design element. It's just as they played it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but we did we did work with it, you know, and sort of bend it further. Um, something that we did like to do was to down tune it, mm. um, so it becomes much darker and you know, I don't know. It kind of just makes it feel a bit grittier and a bit, I don't know, a bit wider. I don't know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously, you know, we, we, we did a lot of experimentation with, with granular synthesis and reverbs and delays and, you know, disguising it a little bit more and, you know, hiding it in, in places, but always having that um, be, you know, one of our core sounds that we could come back to. Yes.
yeah. yeah. Well, the Spitfire team are amazing, and we, you know, we work together with closely with Paul Thompson and the team there to sort of come up with these articulations, and obviously they were instrumental in putting it all together um, and building out, you know, the sort of early versions that we could use in scoring, um, and then of course, you know, putting together the commercial release as well. Yeah. yeah. And so when you hear this, and when you hear these sounds that you have and these articulations that you've helped create in other people's compositions do you just kind of get chills yeah. a little bit we we had this for for a whole year and we thought we exhausted the options <laughs> you know, having played around with all the patches and then when spitfire released it to the public and people were uploading their compositions i was like wow like i i haven't thought of using it that way um so it's you know it's even though it was made for Frozen Planet, it's good to see how people put it in different contexts and obviously yeah. not only use it for, for Frozen-themed stuff. Um, I've, I've heard it in an array of things now, and then it's, it's really interesting where, where people take it. Yeah, yeah, everybody's creativity and just kind of working together, that collective creativity is just so rewarding to like watch and and pay attention to for sure absolutely yeah so oh my goodness yeah, we have taken up so much of your time i have absolutely loved loved talking with both of you um and to finish up do you i guess adam we'll start with you do you have any last minute advice for composers or musicians or aspiring composers or aspiring musicians that want to be doing what you're doing and creating this beautiful music i'm trying to say something that hasn't been sad a lot you know because pe composers are probably constantly googling how can i do stuff um <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give one very boring advice okay but it, it has helped me a lot lately and i i stopped seeing creativity as such black box thing that you can't control i think being a film composer is is you have to be your mind has to be fit and so you know, have a good breakfast, have a healthy breakfast and, and eat um, nuts. And, you know, it helps with <laughs> it's it's I think our as creatives um, I, and that, that that's the big thing. I You need to understand our mind. It, it needs to be trained and needs to be healthy. It needs to be ready to perform mm. because I can't afford having a bad day or it. Training means listening to scores. Training means listening to Mahler, Mozart, Beethoven. It needs to, you need to train it like a muscle. Mm. And it needs to be healthy. It needs to be able to perform. That's my boring advice. I, I totally made that up uh, just now. But that's the first person to recommend eating nuts. So, okay. so well done. It's yeah. good. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it's excellent. Fantastic advice. Not boring whatsoever. So thank you, Adam. James, how about you? What advice do you have? Again, slightly boring, but but something that I think has has helped me is is just to to write. I don't know. I, I think there's there's always excuses to be made about why oh I don't have a film to write for, or oh I don't have this sample library or you know, so-and-so has this that I don't have and therefore I don't have what I need to write. And they're all just mm. bogus excuses, really. I mean, if you've got if you've got an iPhone or, you know, any kind of microphone or, or a MacBook with GarageBand installed, you know, you can you mm -hmm. can make music. I mean, it's it's never been easier. And, you know, the best way to, to get better at something is just to keep doing it again and again and again. And um, eat nuts. And by eating nuts, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, just keep going, keep doing it. 
Well, Adam Lucas, James Everingham, you are both just so wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in and chatting with me. I've had just a fantastic time talking with you and learning from you. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having us. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on the Musicians versus the World podcast in my conversation with composers Adam Lucas and James Everingham. Throughout this episode, you've heard snippets from the BBC's Frozen Planet 2, whose album is available on all streaming platforms. A huge thank you to Adam and James for letting us share this music with you. You can find out more about Adam and James on their websites, adamlucas.com and jameseveringham.com. If you're interested in Adam and James's instrumental library, Fractured Strings, take a look on spitfireaudio.com to find it there. You can also find out more about Bleeding Fingers Music at their website, bleedingfingersmusic.com. And don't worry, I will have links to everything we've talked about today in our show notes on our website, frostedlens.com slash musicians versus the world. Musicians versus the world is a production of Frosted Lens Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. This episode was produced by Russ Wilkes and was hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith. Now, we appreciate all of the nice notes and messages and reviews we've been getting from you. And we read every single one of them, and we are thankful for them. If you'd like to reach out to us with suggestions, questions, or just to say hi, you can find us on Instagram, Threads, Twitter, YouTube, or Facebook, or LinkedIn. Or you can email us at info at Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day.